another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we have been building to this point for several months because we are talking about Week 14 Championship Weekend and the last weekend of our college football season colin it's a little bittersweet getting to the end like you you're looking forward to it all year and then it comes and you kind of realize that it's over it's true i mean i mentioned last week like i'm ready i'm ready to get into draft season start ranking these guys but then you realize that that comes at the loss of Saturday's college football. That whole thing is coming to an end. And while the, the drama is still boiling hot, we, we have bowl season, college football playoff season ahead of us. We're going to talk about that later. Just know that it's it, it was a an unfortunate series of events as far as I'm concerned for Camp Dynasty's own florida state but (laughs) we'll have a chance to break that down in a little bit we're going to be talking about some of the top performers from this past weekend championship weekend and unsurprisingly we have a lot of players from the same teams or just a few games yeah we kind of have a condensed slate this week and that means we're going to be handing out less badges than usual because there was a little bit of a smaller slate of games. And then we also are going to have a proper send-off for the 2023 campers. We've been doing all grown up for the last 13 weeks. And this is the last week before we get into the 2024 draft season. So we're going to you know, bid adieu to the 2023 guys with a little bit of a extended all grown up segment. So to save a little bit of time for that, cut down on badges a little bit, which also works out because of the limited slate. Yeah. Think of it as a bit of a, a mini finale. We are moving out of what we call phase one phase. It's one of the phases here where we're real professional about this when yes. we schedule it up, but We're moving out of one phase into the next. And like you said, it's been fun to talk all grown up, talk about these players from last year that we followed this whole cycle with and now getting a chance to do that with these 2024 guys, which we have gotten to know much, much better over the last three months or so here. Um, Before we jump into badges, though, I got to I want to get your thoughts on this. The Heisman finalists came out very recently. We got Michael Penix, we got Bo Nix, we got Jaden Daniels, and we have Marvin Harrison Jr. So what are your thoughts on the Heisman finalists? I I mean, it's not surprising, I would say. Um, it's the three quarterbacks with the best stats, and then... It's Marvin Harrison Jr., who's the best wide receiver in the nation, but there are guys with better stats at the wide receiver position, guys like Malik Neighbors, like Romo Dunze that we've been talking about all year that have better counting stats than Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes, the eye test might be better for Marvin, but when has that been a factor in Heisman voting? So... It, is it confusing? Yeah, but uh, I don't think they're going to give it to him anyway. I think it's Jaden Daniels' award to lose. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I just it's it's, it's interesting because yeah. you know I what does it mean then for the Blitnikoff? You know, like I think we've come on here for two weeks and said it's neighbors. You know, lock it in. Well, now you find out maybe maybe they're going to do a little bit of a makeup situation from last year yeah. based on how the Heisman shook out. But we'll find out. Uh, let's get into it. We're not talking about any of those players this He's week. He's going to get a so, career achievement Bolitnikoff award. Yeah, I kind of support it. I get it. I mean, it's like the Leo Oscar, you know? Right, 
Like yeah. you gave it to it, him for the Revenant. It's not his best movie, but like it was. You gotta give him. You gotta give it to him. It's time. There's yeah. not gonna, and for him, there's not gonna be another opportunity. So right. All right, let's dive into it. Uh, it's becoming a reoccurring theme here at Camp Dynasty that tales never fails. <laughs> and uh, we are picking, you've got first pick again this week. Finally, this is over for the year. I don't have to worry about <laughs> it anymore. We ended on like a five-week losing streak. If you guys are, are you know, new here, look coming in these last couple weeks, we started the year flipping a coin, I'm pretty sure. And then we moved to a digital coin flipping method. Reverse that. Right. We were digital. Then we went physical. Then I used like several different coins along right. the way. And still, I can't get it right. Yeah, it is. You know, this was meant to be 50-50. Right. I, well. I, <laughs> when we did the, the coin flip today, I was like, man... I, I feel like you should go first. <laughs> I feel pity at this point. Uh, but I went first, and I took Adonai A.D. Mitchell out of Texas for his game against Oklahoma State. He had six catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he has been, I mean, at the beginning of the year, he was not on the radar at all. Not somebody we talked about, not somebody we kept said to you know keep an eye on nothing like that and he has i mean been fantastic this season he has 813 yards on the season and 10 touchdowns i think he's gotten two separate mr touchdown badges because of the limited usage that he had he started to kind of get more targets as the season went on but early in the season he was only getting you know around five or less and he was like hyper efficient getting touchdowns and then as the season went on you start to see him put a up higher target totals and in this game you know gets the seven targets and is with xavier worthy the one-two punch that texas has and they were passing all over this oklahoma state team uh yours had over 400 yards passing so there was plenty to go around but Mitchell just looks really good. He's a he's a crisp route runner. He has speed. He has solid hands. His touchdown in this game got a little push off, uh, but it was like the legal push off, which is a pretty savvy move for a young player. So 6'4", about 200 pounds, great size. It's just a guy that, that has come on during the season and has been – starting as the mock drafts start to roll out you're seeing late first round or early second round pick so uh this is a guy that i like a lot that it looks like nfl circles are liking and has been impressive yeah i mean a big reason why this player doesn't really live on your preseason radar much is because of just i mean he didn't have a lot of volume his first two seasons this is a player transferring from georgia you've if you've watched the georgia dynasty building itself up over the last few years you've definitely seen this player but last year 2022 dealing with a lot of injuries other things uh, only has 134 yards receiving on the entire season he almost got to that in this game alone and it gets him up to just over 800 yards on the season this really was our first real full look at what ad mitchell is as a player and and yeah he has become one of the top wide receivers in this class i think bit of you know up and down inconsistencies when he booms it's really good and then he'll disappear those sorts of players do sometimes give me a little bit of pause because, you know, where are you going on these weeks? We're going to find out more about A.D. Mitchell and how this season looked when we when we start grinding the film. But uh, like you said, I mean, good, great hands. One drop, 77 targets this season. Uh, been pretty solid in contested situations as well. And we know he's got the speed to go with his size. So, 
He's a very interesting player, and Texas was on fire in this game. This will not be the last Longhorn we're talking about today. Yeah, 100%. What about – do we have a, a Longhorn next, or do we got to wait a we little We could. Bit? I can change the script. There are no think, rules I here. Don't, I don't think – no, I think the next guy is worth talking about at the Should top. I do it? I think, I think you should. The, the reason that this is happening is because for the first time in our badge drafts, I took an IDP with my first pick. And it was my and your top-ranked IDP coming into the season, and that is Jared Verse, the edge rusher from Florida State. Uh, Verse came into this year with a lot of momentum. There was a lot of belief that he might even be in the 2022 class. We didn't talk about him a ton last year, if at all, but, uh, that momentum started to build. And then all of a sudden he says, I'm coming back to school. It's like, okay, we are, we could see something crazy this year. Didn't exactly go that way for the majority of the early part of this season, but man, Jared Verse has come on in a massive way down the stretch this season, and it culminates in the ACC championship game where a team gave their all in an amazing defensive effort, beating a top 15 opponent. Jared Verse, nine pressures three sacks this these are pff numbers that is back to back three sack performances according to pff he has arrived as the guy that we thought he was going to be at coming into the year and i think there's a lot of uh, reason to believe that he's going to reclaim that very high round one nfl draft capital that we expected him to get yeah, if you look at real stats instead of PFF stats, he had two sacks in this game. He had two and a half last game against Florida, which is still an incredible way to end your college football season. Uh, I mean, this defense was dominant in this ACC championship game, seven sacks total as a defense, and Verse was spearheading that attack. Um I, I didn't give A.D. Mitchell a badge. He got the breakout badge, by the way. Just going to put yep. that in there. All right. Apologies, nice. A.D. Uh, but Verse, he, I mean, I said at one point in the season I was a little bit disappointed with, you know, the numbers that Verse was putting up because of the uh, idea of Jared Verse in the preseason. We were so excited to see what he was going to be and what numbers he was going to put up. And we had a magnifying glass on Florida State all year because of the players on offense in addition to verse on defense. So you see in this game and the the play in the fourth quarter with two minutes left where Louisville you know has a chance to – you know, potentially go down and score and make it interesting. And verse just snow plows the left tackle into the quarterback. I mean, it is unbelievable. The, the bag that verse has and the, you know, every once in a while, he'll just pull out something where he doesn't go into the bag and he's just like, I'm going through you. And that's impressive. You call it a snowplow. I'm calling it a bulldozer because he's getting the bulldozer badge for that sack. I mean, it was reminiscent of that LSU film from last year where he comes into the year transferring from Albany and just destroys SEC, like an SEC left tackle with this bull rush. I mean, the power... The strength that Jared Verse has is truly magnificent. And you get to see that again here in this game where this left tackle on this and specifically on this play, just no chance. I mean, it's 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 like the guy doesn't weigh 290 or 310 pounds. You know, it's like he just moves through him. And so he has a varied pass rush attack, but when he goes to that bull rush, he can move just about anybody. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm excited to watch the process. I know 
he like you know we talk about where are we uh looking in mock drafts right now jared verse maybe uh slipping a little bit to that late first round nfl range i think he has a chance to climb back up because he's going to test exceptionally well and uh he he should be one of the top edge rushers in this class no doubt about it and i'll just put up that he was going against willie tyler all right who is number 55 on louisville he's six foot six 320 pounds <laughs> from racine wisconsin oh shout local, out local kid and a senior though that's a oh. that's a that's a grown man yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> that he's just 20 pounds i didn't even give him enough credit and he's no he said wrecking. 290 300 you shortchanged them 30 pounds That's, i don't know how big they get them in louisville you know what are they doing <laughs> out there i don't know uh, yeah uh we're going back to texas i think already oh we are we're going back to jatavion sanders another weapon in this passing attack he's getting the i'm back badge uh because you know we were waiting to see Jatavion Sanders and what he was going to put together this season. I think he was your number one tight end in the preseason ranking. He uh, for sh- whoa. Whoa. No, we sorry. Forget? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Obviously Brock Bowers was number one in both of our preseason okay. rankings. Well, I don't want the people your to make two. any assumptions here about no, me. You know, like Malik neighbors is the number one receiver except <laughs> yeah, for Marvin right. Harrison jr. <laughs> It just kind of leaves my head. It's like, obviously, he's so number one. So set in stone. Uh, so, Jatavion Sanders was your number two tight end. Uh, he's in my top five. And uh, he's had an okay season. We thought that his ankle exploded at one point, um, And he still ended up playing. And that was crazy. Uh, but outside of that, he's had a fine season it hasn't been spectacular it's about on par with the year he had last year uh he's doing better on a per catch basis he's had less receptions about the same amount of yards he's averaging 15 yards per reception rather than 11 last year he hasn't found the end zone very often except this week he's back he got in the end zone against oklahoma state a little tight end leak out so it made it easy for him Oklahoma State decided not to cover him. Good scheme. But this uh he he also was just all over the field doing what Jatavion Sanders does. When the tape looks good, it looks really good. He looks like in you know, one of those athletic freak tight ends that can catch the ball, run after catch, and do a lot of things. And uh it's just you know, I, I was wondering how kind of wanted to get a temperature check on Jatavion after a big game, but a kind of up and down season, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, this is a nice opportunity to talk about the player since we haven't really gotten to do that. And a, a big reason for that is, you know, tight end production in college football is often so hit or miss. I mean, you think about a player like Sam Laporta who has, you know, taken the NFL by storm, become already a top three at the worst tight end in the NFL um, in his rookie season, a player that we both really liked a lot. And he had 600 yards receiving at Iowa last year. I mean, it's, it's not a, a, a position that's going to get a lot of volume most of the time. I mean, Brock Bowers is a different story when you're that level of a talent and the best pass catcher in your offense. Jatavion Sanders has these talented receivers around him and he's still found his opportunities this year. I mean, it seemed like earlier in the year he was poised for a big time season with uh, 200 plus yard receiving games in the first four weeks of the year kind of tapered off a little bit in the middle of the season. And there were, you know, maybe some quarterback things that were happening as well with, with Texas, but we get Quinn Ewers in this game. He looks phenomenal. We get Jatavion Sanders looking like that, you know, uber athlete uh, tight end. And then you get the, I think, what was it, a flea flicker? Would they get him out in space like that and get him a nice, easy touchdown? But 
Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I have not cooled on him as far as, as far as I am aware. I think, I think this season is, is been pretty solid and, uh, no reason for me to think that he has regressed in any way. I have to say it, man, the blocking. I, so we highlighted it against Alabama in week two. Uh, I mean, he was isolated on Dallas Turner quite a bit in that game. And we're like, well, benefit of the doubt, Dallas Turner, you know, he's a freak. But you, you look at this game, and he he misses a block on a screen outside to A.D. Mitchell where, I mean, he's the blocker. It's, it's one-on-one. And then he also, on those inside zone plays, a lot of times it's a little iffy clearing that D end out. But uh, when you're looking at the receiving tight end part of things, it's, it's really nice. But when you're a tight end, you got to do both. Yeah. That that's the concern. It's, it's been the concerning thing. Yeah. That was what was so limiting about this player coming into the year was like, you see his athleticism and his upside as a receiver very counter like unbalanced by his blocking ability and like you said I mean it it doesn't appear based on the what we've seen through the year that he has seen much improvement in that area which will impact him at the I mean that has been a story time and time again with these young tight ends if you come in and you can't block you will not see the field and you will struggle uh, so it's, it's a player to be, you know, c- conscientious about that. When you think about where am I going to draft this player in a dynasty situation? Luckily, we don't need to have the answer to that today. Um, but he, yeah, I still, still excited based on the receiving ability for sure with Jatavion Sanders. And we're not going to stray too far with this next badge either. Cause we're going to stay right in this Texas offense mentioned the talented wide receivers alongside of Jatavion. We already talked about one of them. Let's talk about the other one, Xavier worthy. Uh, he's fucking fast. (laughs) (laughs) We've been, we've been low on him and I'm not, uh, he's not going to even crack probably my top, eight receivers in this class at best. I mean, like, but what he does, he does better than anybody in this class, perhaps. And you see it on that initial, that first play. I believe it was his first catch in this game where you get him on a screen and all of a sudden he's just 30 yards downfield. I mean, the acceleration that this player has is truly ridiculous. And we mentioned, you know, some of the, the areas of his game that need a little bit of work. One of them was hands. Well, they got a little bit better this year. I mean, we're down to five drops on 113 targets. That is 6.4% compared to a plus 10% drop rate last year. So maybe there's going to be a fun surprise waiting for me, when I dive into Xavier Worthy's film from the 2023 season, but man, I don't need to watch much film to know that this is going to be one of the fastest players at the combine this year. Yeah, absolutely. This is the premier deep threat player in the class, and Worthy is more than a deep threat, but I think whoever's going to end up taking him will need an injection of speed into their offense that Xavier Worthy will bring day one. And the play that you're talking about where he just burns down the sideline, he's done a few times this year where they just jutted out to him and let him go. And he, I mean, it's it's a lot more than just, you know, running straight down the field and then catching it between two safeties and outrunning everybody. He is, you know, picking blocks and finding seams and breaking angles. Like, this guy is unreal. Like, I I love what he can do with the ball in his hands. And I just, yeah, he's going to add an element to an NFL offense day one. Uh, So, 
I I don't know where he's going to end up in my rankings in terms of because like the the question with these guys is like what does the fantasy production look like and how are we going to have to take that into account like he's one of the better players in college football but how does his skill set translate into an NFL offense and I think that's the hardest part of this it is the hard I. The name that I come back to, and this is more so based on what we've seen in the NFL versus as a prospect, Hollywood Brown as like the ceiling for a player like Xavier Worthy, which when you say that doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence because Hollywood Brown has been very up and down. He has not really lived up to what we thought he could be at the NFL level but a player that, you know, he's going to flash once in a while. If he's on the field, he's a threat. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. That's, that's the name that I keep coming back to with Xavier worthy, but we'll yeah, find out. I was, I was thinking Jameson Williams a little bit. Those, and no, that's the, that's the mold, man. That's yep. the mold of player that, I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, nuances to the speedster guy, the small speedy receiver, but it scares people in dynasty and for good reason. Cause we see how it doesn't manifest in a big role. Uh, especially when you got shaky hands that really limits you. And, and that's something we've seen with Jamison as well. So it, yeah, long way to go, but yep. it, a player, you know, the archetype and you just got to figure out how, what does the ceiling look like with the talent that he has? But uh, we are staying in this game, Colin, this but we're game, not talking we're, about Texas. We're moving on from Texas in this one, and we're going to talk about some speed. We talked about Xavier Worthy on that play, but why didn't he score on that play? Because Nicholas Martin is getting the chase down badge. He Nicholas Martin is a linebacker for... Oklahoma State and he's number four you'll see him on the film if you're watching it because the guy is absolutely everywhere uh in this game he had 13 total tackles eight of them solo tackles and an interception uh one of the solo tackles was the shoestring on worthy I mean hawked him down I don't know how he caught him but uh no guarantee Martin declares for the draft but after a season where you have 133 total tackles six sacks and two interceptions I mean it's a pretty good case to plead to the NFL he also I mean six foot 215 is a small guy you know undersized linebacker we've talked about it all year with a bunch of different guys but he's even you know he's got a slighter frame than some of the guys that we've talked about as a small guy. So that's something that's concerning, but he, I mean, he is super, super athletic. Like the, it shows why he's so small in his athleticism, in his sideline to sideline speed. I mean, he closes like that. So uh, he's a, he's an interesting player that we haven't highlighted so far this year in uh, a linebacker class that we don't know outside of Trotter really what it's going to shape up like. It's not very clean behind Trotter, uh, but just a, a name to file in the back of your head. Yeah, I, I think if nothing else, this player is a very fun, you know, keep him top of mind because if he stays in school, which I would imagine he would do, can he add some mass? Can he get himself closer to that 230 marker? Which at that point, it's like you're you're the okay kind of undersized. Right. And I mean, the speed's real. Like the speed is very real. And the background on this player confirms it. I mean, this is a four-star recruit uh, coming into Oklahoma State in 2021. It's a very young player. It's a very athletic player. He played running back in high school along with linebacker. And, I mean, you see that in how he moves. 
and how explosive he is. And I mean, I, I was shocked that Worthy did not finish that play. I mean, the separation from where he, when he started to the point where Martin made the tackle was so vast. So many players had lost 10, 15 yards by that point. And Martin was the player that chased him and got him down. Uh, so really, really athletic linebacker and a fun player to watch uh, maybe uh, for next year. Yeah, and something that shows up on Nicholas Martin's tape is missed tackles. And that's the story with these undersized linebackers. Uh, so he had two missed tackles in this game, which is not a big deal when you're racking up 13 total. Uh, but he's had games where he's had three and four missed tackles. And it's just – it's something to keep an eye on. You know, it, it, there's a reason you don't see a lot of 215-pound linebackers and – generally this is it because running backs will get through you they, they have more mass they are usually moving faster and if you are only you know 215 it's going to be tough to bring them down so uh something like like you said he probably will end up going back to school he's a redshirt sophomore so he's got some time to develop there but he's just a, a very interesting player yeah definitely uh, another player that might return to school, but I'm giving him a badge anyway, and it is our last badge of the 2023 season. It's going to Jalen McMillan. Wow. Yeah, the hit that, a little bit there. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> it's been a fun road, man, and one last wide receiver rounds this thing out. We've given a lot of them to wide receivers this year. Jalen McMillan has uh, dealt with a very frustrating season, I would imagine, for him dealing with injuries, watching this offense, Washington offense, be you know dominant and explosive, become the second best team in the in the country according to the committee, um, and he's not really factored in, but. He gets on the field here in the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon. Uh, he did not p play or he at least did not have a target in the first matchup with Oregon. This one, 13 targets for Jalen McMillan. That was a season high for him. Nine catches for 131 yards in this game. And he looked like the Jalen McMillan that I would have expected to see all season long if he was healthy. He would have been putting up numbers like this in this offense. This is the slot wide receiver for Washington. You have Odunze and Polk on the outside. McMillan living in the slot and a player that can threaten vertically. We know they like to do that in this offense. He can do that out of the slot, but you also see him doing the quick and easy stuff. I shouldn't say easy. The quick and short stuff, it's yeah, definitely wow. not easy. I was going to say, uh, that's kind of derogatory to slot receivers. Just, I'm just thinking about playing like Madden or NCAA, and it's like <laughs> I'm just going to audible or hot route to a, a quick out because it just can't fail. Yeah, because it's so, so that's easy. That's why it's so easy, you know. But, um, yeah, Jalen McMillan, the reason I say he might return to school is just simply because of the nature of this season for him you know, with this deep and very talented wide receiver class, is this injury riddled season, you know, how he wants to uh, go into the draft. This is his fourth year, but I mean, he's one of these players that has that additional year of eligibility, I'm pretty sure. So will we see that? I'm not sure, but uh, really nice finale for uh, the this season for Jalen McMillan. I like that I have no idea who has eligibility and like what it. It's a complete mess with this with the with 2020 the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but McMillan, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he went back because of the injury riddled season. But man, it is fun when they are all healthy on that Washington offense because when it's firing on all cylinders. And 
you know, McMillan and Odunze and Polk, like you said, are all out there and available. It looks like this, and that's what it looked like early in this season. Uh, he had 95, 114, and 96 yards before he went down with the injury and then uh, comes back and, you know, plays against Washington State. Uh, offense struggled in that game altogether only had 26 yards and then gets back to it against Oregon plays a full game and has 131 yards. So uh, this is, I mean, he's just a really good player and he can do it after the catch. He's very sound uh, through his entire game. So uh, I hope that he comes out to make this wide receiver class even stronger because I mean, it is, one of the heaviest classes I've seen in a while. If uh, everybody that we expect to come to out ends up declaring, uh, but he, if he, you know, puts his name in the hat, it, it'll be a really, really good class. And we'll still see with Polk if he does, because we don't expect him to either for sure, but you never know. It, you could see all three of these receivers come out and get drafted reasonably high. Yeah, it, this is the part of the year where we start to find out, you know, who's who's actually in, who's actually out, and the wide receiver group, like you said, with how deep talented it is, will be interested. Interesting to see how these guys think about it because you remember a guy like Romo Dunze last year is a player that. He could have came out last year, yep. and he decided, nah, I'm going to come back and become a top 15 draft pick, and that's exactly what he did. So um, we'll find out more. That It's starting to happen. We're starting to see the declares coming in now. Uh, Braylon Allen, after our discussion last week, very shortly after, officially declared. So yep. the, it's gonna they're going to keep coming in now as we get into bowl season, but – Caleb Williams is not playing in the bowl either. That's right. Caleb Williams, you know, he the, hasn't officially uh, declared yet. I'm going to, you know, I'm a 50, 50. It's up right. in the air. I'm going to wait to see who, no, buddy, you're, you're done. And you're going to be the, the dollars. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be the first pick. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah. All right. That is the last of the badges for the 2023 season for the 2024 campers. It is all wheels up from here, getting into the thick of it with draft season. Uh, but there is still time to make one final call home. The college football playoff committee. That's who I'm calling this week. You want to know why I'm calling the college football playoff committee? No, you, you already know why I'm calling <laughs> them. Because Florida State, an unbeaten Power 5 conference champion, one of the most talented teams in college football for the entirety of the season, Went out, won a grinded out, gritty game against a top 15 opponent on the strength of their defense and did not make the final four. They will not be playing for yeah. a national championship after giving everything they had for an entire college football season. Colin. What are your thoughts on Florida State being left out of the Final Four? I, man, it sucks that it, it has come to this because I would have rather seen Florida State in than Alabama. Um, Florida State had just has had such an impressive season wire to wire and I mean it obviously just comes down to Jordan Travis and 
as much as I'd like to see Florida State in there and as deserving as the team top to bottom are, that's all the committee cares about, apparently, is that Jordan Travis is not going to be playing in this game, even though we've seen this team win without him. And they and the the thing that like broke my like I, I was like, you know what? Alabama might be I don't know, it's close. I get it if they don't pick Florida State. And Jordan Travis is like, I wish I would have broke my leg sooner so they could see how talented this team is. I was like, Man, <laughs> that that hurts. That you even have to think like that to but man we we've talked about the the nameless faceless committee and how they make these decisions and uh it's just kind of out of the team's hands at one point is insane to me but here we are there's a video of the late Mike Leach speaking about the nature of the college football playoff and the committee that decides on who the four best teams are. And in summary, he essentially says, you know, a bunch of people with suits gather around, say, you know, let's crack a beer and talk about, you know, who the best four teams are. It'll be fun. And, you know, we don't have any implication to the game of football i mean when you go and look at these guys half of them are you know former coaches okay great half of them are professional meeting people i mean go go to the website go to the college football playoff website read the bios for half of these committee members it's like got a master's degree in 87 and then sat on x committee got this desk job, became this athletic director, served on this committee. Like these are professional meeting people. And these are the guys that come in and they sit down in this room or wherever the hell they're figuring this out and take something away from a group of young men who just sacrificed countless hours of their lives for years leading up to this moment, just because the quarterback got hurt. I mean, dude, it is so depressing to me because I am, you put yourself in the shoes of the players, the players that went out and played in the wake of Jordan Travis's injury. And you essentially told those players that what they did in those two weeks meant nothing. Yep. They they shouldn't have even went out and played Louisville. They shouldn't have even played that game, put their bodies on the line to compete, to earn this spot. They shouldn't have even played in the game because it. what we learned is that it meant nothing and that wins and losses mean nothing, and I don't care about the quarterback's injury. They wrote that clause in there, oh, we have to factor in injuries and you know extraneating circumstances. It, you can't do it in this way. You can't do it in this way. I it, it is so disgusting to me that they took that away from those players. And, it, you know, if I was uh, – there's there's ov- obviously a fallout happening here and you have politicians writing strongly worded letters and it's, it's going to be a big show for a while here. But I really do hope it sparks some sort of change or something to happen here because – the, the big you know buzz phrase with this situation has been it's not a playoff, it's an invitational, and we've found out that that is exactly the case because these teams aren't playing in for anything. They're not playing for anything. They're just playing to appease this group of geriatric men. Yeah, that's I, I've been trying to find the page of uh the playoff committee and i i found it and you're not wrong about how this looks on its face uh but also if you look there's an employment opportunity <laughs> and you you can apply right on their website 
executive director for the college football playoff. I'm in. We have a chance. I'm credentialed for this, right? You know. Uh, well, qualifications, bachelor's degree, you have that. You know, 15 years of work within intercollegiate athletics. I mean, pretty much together. I could get there. Yeah, that's what this is. Extensive knowledge of the college football landscape. We're in. In. Strong communication skills. Hello. In. Commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're not, so why do we have to be? <laughs> Strong written verbal communication skills. Ability to work effectively in collaboration. I mean, this is like... I love how BS these job descriptions yeah. are. You think you think some Joe Smith is applying to this job yeah. with like a good con? Like, no, this is <laughs> hey Mark, uh, can you get me into this director role? Oh yeah, yeah. sure, Joe. Yeah, absolutely, bud. <laughs> but I mean, that this will never be the right way to go about it. And they're going to expand to 12 teams, and the same thing's going to happen. And it's it's it'll be better because at least the top 12 will have a better chance of parity and, like, the right teams will be in because there's not, like, 13 deserving teams. Nobody's arguing that. But there's usually five or six because, like, Georgia – if Georgia and Florida State – we're both in the college football playoff, it would be a better college football playoff. So I'm excited for it to move to 12 so we don't have to have these conversations anymore because the four-team playoff was always a flawed idea. And to have a committee decide it rather than have set credentials based on the objective game that is played on the field is silly. So I'll be excited to move beyond this and we won't have to be upset about this anymore because we'll have the best 12 teams probably will at least have the best six and that's what matters to me. So uh, I'm annoyed. I'm excited to watch the playoff games. I hope FSU gives Georgia a run for their money in this game because that would be hilarious. That would be great i'm i want to say that i i have hope for that but i don't <laughs> georgia georgia's gonna be playing a little pissed off i think mm -hmm. so um all right well that is the conclusion to the the college football season in terms of camp dynasty we will obviously be watching these players campers as they play in the college football playoff. That's a big moment for these guys. We remember what CJ Stroud did in the playoff last year. That was a huge moment for him. Same can be said for a lot of players this year, but for now, Colin, we're moving on. And that means that for the last time this year, we are going to gather around the campfire and reminisce on the campers of old, on All Grown Up. How I want to do this today is we will be doing a, a redraft like we did last year that will come in a, in a little while from now the NFL season will be over by that point so we'll have a little bit more information but we have 13 weeks of information on these 2023 campers that you know it's we're starting to move further and further away, man. The 2024 guys are here. It's happening. We're getting into draft season. These guys, 2023, they're wrapping up their rookie years. And it's kind of crazy to say that. But uh, how I want to start this discussion is just by running through the top 12 rookies, according to KTC right now. Uh, and then I will turn it over to you for some impressions on where we're sitting uh, near the conclusion of this season. So, according to KTC, 
The top 12 rookies right now are B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, C.J. Stroud, Sam Laporta, Devon Achan, Jordan Addison, Puka Nakua, Zay Flowers, Tank Dell, JSN, Dalton Kincaid, and Anthony Richardson. Thoughts on the top 12? Just what we expected. <laughs> I mean, I number one, it's unreal the ascension of Devon Achan in the limited action that he gets deployed. He is just one of the most efficient players in football, period. Uh, the the Puka and Tank Dell coming from like the third or fourth round of your rookie draft, probably the third round of your rookie draft, and becoming top 12 rookies in this class is also just insane r.i.p to tank dell i'll say that unfortunate that he broke his leg in this game uh but he's been unbelievable and cj stroud being the number three rookie in non-super flex is pretty sick because he's been also unbelievable all season so I guess those are the the biggest surprises is you know Achan at five Puka at seven Tank Dell at nine and then Stroud all the way up at three yeah the quarterbacks are a big one for me because Richardson I mean he was up here as well uh, when he was playing and so if that injury doesn't happen you might have two quarterbacks in the top four five rookies of this class these are not players that you were drafting this high i mean richardson was a you know back half bottom of the first sort of player for us coming into the draft cycle stroud was a mid-second player and here they are you know above some of the top skill guys in this class and um i i mean the wide receivers are just wild to me and it's not only because you i mean puka and tank dell obviously yeah it's an ascension but it's not only an ascension in terms of rookie rankings puka is currently the wide receiver 13 in dynasty according to ktc and tank dell is currently is currently the wide receiver 15 so you have two top 15 dynasty wide receivers that are coming from the third round or later in the same draft that is insane because we've seen this happen recently with guys like Amon Ross St. Brown but two guys in one class shooting all the way up the board and ahead of some of these players that we were taking much higher than them is it's been one of the shocking parts of this season for sure yeah and I think some of the the interesting part is the running backs in this class because you see you know the wide receivers were kind of a question mark because you know we had jsn who's out all year with the hamstring injury going and then you had jordan addison who it was a size concern he was getting drafted onto a team with justin jefferson uh, you had Johnson, who was a raw player that had a lot of question marks, but was in a fun landing spot. And the running backs, it was Bijan and Gibbs and everybody else. And I think down the stretch here, we're going to see a little bit more from these running backs because Achan is healthy again. And like I was saying before, he is just one of the most efficient running backs in the league. Charbonnet has been I I know he got hurt last week but he has been playing in relief of Ken Walker and being the RB1 there and it's clear that they like him a lot in Seattle Uh, and Tajay Spears should be starting next week because if you get concussed in a game which Derrick Henry left with a concussion you generally do not play the next week and he is the only other running back on that team that has gotten a touch outside of Derrick Henry. So it's been 
only Derrick Henry and Tyshay Spears to get touches on that team. So if Derrick Henry's out, you might be able to see what the future of Tyshay Spears' value looks like. And that's kind of exciting to think about. Yeah, it is because, the like you said, the running backs, I mean, they, it tends to maybe not materialize immediately, especially, especially with these later players. But as time goes on, year two, year three, opportunities come and suddenly you have players. And that's something I think that we'll get a chance to talk about later after this season, getting into redrafts. Like who are these running backs that we're interested in that maybe – didn't have those opportunities this year, but guys that we still think are very talented players. And um, there's a few of them that I'm looking at already, but I'll save them. Uh, the one thing I want to ask you here, I know it's we're not quite there yet, but we're just about there. Fantasy regular seasons wrapping up in the next week, maybe two weeks. Who is the rookie of the year in your eyes? The the offensive rookie of the year is, I mean, it's between Stroud and Puka for me. And I think it's got to be Stroud because, you know, when in doubt, give it to a quarterback. But he's also having an unbelievable season. I think there's something about the surprise of Puka Nakua that's like, you know, he just last game broke the Rams rookie single game receiving record, and it's like the he started out on fire and then kind of tra- tailed off, and you know now this week he's back. So, uh, Laporta has a case. I feel like there's just like it's kind of a loaded class, but I think it's got to be Stroud. No Bijan. I, that was you didn't even say the name Bijan there. I I can't. The usage wasn't. I mean, we we talked about it all year. There's the the Algier thing matters. The the fifty percent snap share in most of these games. The no red zone touches. I mean, uh, he's a good player, and every time he touches the ball, he looks really good. But you got to put points on the board. He's making his effort. He's yep. making his case here right now, but is it too late for Bijan to seize hold of it? We'll find out the next couple weeks. But I'm glad you specified offensive rookie of the year because we haven't talked a ton about IDPs in this segment all year, mostly because we don't have the ability to see the real-time crowdsourced data on them on KTC. But, man, I got to tell you, it was very very nice to see will anderson have a what felt like a breakout performance i mean he has had a good year there has been a lot of criticism i guess from like houston fans like if you do a social media you know radar on how are people feeling about will anderson it's a lot of like why doesn't this guy get sacks but the pressures were were there the win, the pass rush win rate was there. Just needed to wait for the production to start coming, and then you see in this game this week, your Will Anderson two sacks, first multi-sack game of his career, and a sign of what seems to be a star edge rusher in the making, the player that we expected him to be. Yeah, so we'll go to the the sports book to take a look at who the odds-on favorite to be defensive rookie of the year is. And I want you to give me a guess on who you think the they're minus 250 odds. So they are the heavy favorite. Um, Devon Witherspoon. Jalen Carter. Oh. Jalen Carter is the odds-on favorite. Uh, Witherspoon is second okay, at plus 200. And then it drops off to Will Anderson at plus 1,600. So uh, right now it's a two-man race between Jalen Carter and Devon Witherspoon. And who Both of them, fantasy value is there. And Will Anderson is, you know, 
like you said, the production's got to catch up with the stuff he's doing on the field. So, uh, there, I mean, the, the guy that I want to bring up that's been really nice, that's a rookie that you probably got on waivers, is Tuli, Tui Pelotu. He's been really good. I mean, across from Khalil Mack with Joey Bosa, you know, he's working in. He's just been a very efficient edge rusher, a nice rookie, someone that, you know, we kind of mentioned in passing as a player to keep an eye on last year. Just uh, he's he's been pretty nice. Yeah, it's it's on me that we haven't talked enough about some of these rookie edge rushers in this all grown up segment just because there have been a number of them that have been flashing something which is the exact sort of player that you grab you stick them on the bench maybe you had them in a taxi spot and you just wait for that maturation to happen um Tui Pelotu, that's a great call out. He's one very young player as well that's already flashing at the NFL level, only going to get better there. Same can be said with BJ Ojolari, another young, very young pass rusher that gets good draft capital as well to the Cardinals, and he's had some flashes down the stretch as well. So there's a few of these guys that if they're available somehow still pick them up because there are opportunities for these guys uh in the years to come and they've already shown a bit of you know flash uh thus far i agree i mean i'm still hey jack campbell at his best week hey two tackles for loss hello (laughs) I saw Drew Sanders on my screen this weekend, and I remember that he was a player. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> you know. he's raw coming in. All right, you need some time I know. to develop. Hey, don't give up. Johnson. Don't give up on Drew Sanders. I'm not giving up on Trenton Simpson either. There we go. All right. Well, that is all grown up week 13 of the NFL and week 14 of college football, which marks the end of this part of the process. We will be coming back hot next week and kicking things off in style because it is the camp dynasty rookie mock 2.0. It's not even the way too early anymore. Cause we already did that. We did it in August this year. Wow. We're already on 2.0. We're kicking it off. Maybe we'll have a special guest again. I don't know if you remember from last year. Maybe we'll get the big guns in to help us out, get some different perspectives here at Camp Dynasty, which are always welcome because we just sit here and echo chamber ourselves for eight months, and that's just how it goes. So we need somebody to come in, put us in our place. So I'm looking forward to it, Colin. We are. It's been a long road, and get to look at this class holistically, start thinking about, hey, my fantasy season's wrapping up. I have the seventh pick. You know, what am I what am I looking at there? Yep. We're gonna start to figure that out real quick. Yeah, we need somebody to come in here and tell us we're crazy for not taking Blake Corum. <laughs> we know that he <laughs> is good for that. Yep. All right. Well, If you enjoyed our discussion this week, be sure to follow us at on X, formerly known as Twitter at camp underscore dynasty and TikTok at camp dot dynasty. And also check out our YouTube channel where video feeds of the pods typically go up on every single week. We may have missed one last week, but this one will be up. So catch us it there. Happens. It happens. You know, we Everybody got... Everybody makes mistakes. There's a lot going on here. A lot of <laughs> a lot of players, a lot of tape, a lot of things to keep track of. Uh, and, of course, follow, subscribe, like, rate, review, share the podcast feed if you enjoyed as well, because it is still the bread and butter here at Camp Dynasty. And with that, we're moving on, baby. Here we go. Let's get into... 
draft season officially. <laughs> the Brugler mock 1.0 oh, that drop. That's God. how you know it's draft season. We're hitting Magic. this at the perfect time. Oh, thank goodness. Here we go. I can't wait to dive in to watch some A.D. Mitchell. God damn it. There's going to be a lot of takes coming out of the next several weeks. Remember, we do the mock, then it's positional rankings for five straight weeks. So we're going to figure this out real quick, and it's going to be a blast. So thank you for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week, and we'll see you next week.